If you'll open your Bibles with me uh, to the book of Acts chapter 18, as we continue on in our series on the book of Acts, learning about uh, the beginnings of the church, uh, how it started, where it started, and how it spread to eventually reach us here where we are today. So Acts 18, starting in verse 1, I'm going to read there, uh, and then I want to pray over the word as we receive it. It says, After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul came to them and said, and since they were of the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to the preaching of the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justice, a worshiper of God whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. As we open it today, I thank you that you speak to us through it, that you use it to teach us and train us up, to build faith in our hearts so that we can see more clearly the way that you see, that we see the way you see, see yourself the way you see yourself. We see us the way that you see us and we see this life the way that you see it and not the way that our flesh, our carnal mind would try to interpret it. I thank you that you've given it to us as wisdom and knowledge, but also life and health to all of our flesh. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So Paul, missionary, <coughs> preacher, spreading the name of Jesus Christ. We, we've, we've talked a lot about him. He's continuing what we call his missionary journey. And it says he left Athens. Remember what he did in Athens. He, he preached at the Areopagus that was full of idols. And he told him, he said, I see that you're religious people. You've even got a little shrine here dedicated to the unknown God. They were worshiping all kinds of things, even things that they didn't know. They were trying to cover all their bases. He said, well, I'm here to tell you who the unknown God is. He is the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. And he talked, about, he talked to them about Jesus and he stayed there and built them up. And then he went from there to here, to Corinth. And that name may stick out. The book of First and Second Corinthians were written back to, or these were letters written back to the church at Corinth after he had been here this time and was writing back to encourage them and to continue to teach them. He goes to Corinth. Corinth was a capital city of the Roman province of Achaia. Pretty big place. Um, it, was, it was centrally located on an isthmus, not Christmas, isthmus, right? Just a, a strip of land off of another, you know, not a peninsula, but just all the way down that side, there was water on both sides, but it was central for the east and west and also for the north and south for communication, for activity, for trade. Um, it was full of immorality. 
Okay, there was a lot of that going on, but there was a small Jewish population there. And whenever Paul would go into a place where he would go first as to where the Jews would gather and worship Yahweh, because he saw them as the first best recipients of Jesus Christ. They're already following God. Jesus is God's Messiah come to earth. And so he starts there and, and that's what you see him doing here. And, and when he gets there, he meets this couple named Aquila and Priscilla. Worshippers of God, they're from Pontus, but they had to leave. Uh, he's from Pontus. They were in Rome recently, but they had to leave because Claudius, you know, over, he's over that stuff, in charge of everything. Said so the Jews have to get out because there were some Jews that were causing trouble. Have you ever gotten lumped in with somebody who was causing trouble? You didn't do anything? Well, they had to leave town. That, that's what happened to them. And it says Paul came to them, and because he was of the same trade, tent making, he stayed with them and he worked with them. So Paul is bringing the message of Jesus Christ to Corinth with the goal to, to call people to belief in Jesus, to, to, to build the church of Jesus Christ there in Corinth. And one of the first things he does is he moves into town, moves in to live among them, and he puts his trade to work during the week. And then on the Sabbath, on the weekend, he goes to, to the synagogue where people are worshiping God, talking about the Old Testament, the scriptures, and he begins to tell them, to discuss with them, even debate with them about Jesus being the Messiah. And it tells us what his goal was. He did this in order to persuade them to make friends of them and to induce them to action. What? Belief in Jesus Christ. So he goes and he sets up shop, working during the week and talking about Jesus in the place of worship on the weekend. Now, Paul, who we'll read in chapter 19, when he goes to Ephesus, it says this about Paul. It says, God was performing extraordinary miracles by his hands, by Paul's hands. Talk about people being healed just because Paul touched something and then it touched them. God was working extraordinary miracles through Paul. That same Paul, look what he's doing. Look how he's spending his days when he gets to Corinth. In the house of believers, working during the week and going to church on the weekend talking about Jesus. Extraordinary things would come out of his life, but his life, especially here in Corinth, what we're reading right now, was ordinary. There wasn't anything extraordinary about it. And so what we see here is that God will bring extraordinary results out of ordinary means or ordinary actions. Extraordinary blessings out of ordinary actions. Paul's not just interested in the gospel going forth. He's committed to it. So committed that he moves into town. He doesn't just come in, set up a tent, do a meeting, and then move on to the next one. He comes in, moves in with Priscilla and Aquila, and day in, day out, consistently becoming a part of that community, working, witnessing, steadfast, just ordinary days, ordinary days, doing the same thing over again each day. And we can start to despise that, don't we? Or, or, or think it has no value. Well, that's just ordinary. We get real taken up with the extraordinary. I'd love to see that. I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to be involved in it. And one thing I took away from when Kelly shared last week was that any life that's going to be a blessing to others or have an impact to others is going to involve sacrifice. Amen. 
It's going to involve personal sacrifice. For me to be any type of a blessing to you, it's going to cause me and myself to sacrifice. For you to receive a blessing from me, it's going to cause me to give out instead of taking in. You see, what we want is we want the extraordinary blessings. We want the big things in life. We want to get to the, the Acts 19, Paul, where says God was doing extraordinary things. I want to see that. But we forget that God plants the seeds and waters those seeds of the extraordinary in ordinary days, in ordinary people and in their ordinary days, day in and day out. And so because of that, there's some qualities we're going to need, some qualities that Paul possessed and he exhibited. One was patience. Patience to go to the synagogue this weekend and then to go back again next weekend to keep talking to him about Jesus, to keep putting it out there, to keep laying it before him, to keep working during the week, keep building up Priscilla and Aquila while he's there with them, continue to be built up by them because I'm sure it went both ways, patience, consistency, being okay with doing the same thing over again each day when it's the right thing to do. Steadfastness, doing it even when it's difficult. And endurance, pressing on, pressing forward for a long period of time. These are qualities that we need because extraordinary blessings come through every day ordinary means. They just do. They do. Now, see, we, we try to accomplish extraordinary things through extraordinary means, right? And you can see that with some of the things that, that we've tried in the past that the church tries to do. Well, I know we want to do something extraordinary in our community. We're going to have a huge event, right? We're going to get the biggest tent that they have and we're going to put it in the biggest place that there is and we're going to get the largest speakers that there are and we're going to get as many chairs as we can and we're going to do all the marketing that we can for this weekend and it's going to be extraordinary, right? And, and hey, hey, it may be for that weekend, it may be. But then what happens the next weekend? What happens the next weekend? Because when you win people over with something extraordinary, and next week's just ordinary, guess what? A lot of them are going back home to just whatever they were doing before. They're going, right. oh, I thought this was going to be fun big time every week. I didn't know it was just going to get back down in the ordinary. We want extraordinary things and we try to produce them sometimes by those extraordinary means, a big, extravagant effort, regardless of what area of our life it is. And we'll talk about that here in just a second. But when, when we try to do that, those extraordinary means, because we don't want to have to wait. We don't have any patience. We want the big thing, the grand effort, and it doesn't work. And it's not sustainable. It's not something that you can do regularly. And then I don't develop any endurance. So when there ever is difficulty, I go, well, that didn't work. I'm not going to try to do this again. That was hard. Next, we'll start planning the next extraordinary, extravagant thing when we haven't even taken care of the ordinary yet. Because again, we, we don't have, pay, we, we have so much less patience than we've ever had before for anything, right? I heard, I heard a pastor say that we have a weight loss problem, right? We've lost the ability to wait, <laughs> to wait on something. We've lost it. We, we don't have any patience. You look at in every area of our life, whether it's our reputation, 
You have some, somebody shows up to work on time for seven days in a row and doesn't get written up, they think they're ready to be promoted. I need to be making more money. I showed up on time. Seven days, I've been doing it. It's time. I need to be moving up, right? We see it in relationships. We see people think just because they, they do something extravagant relationally that it means their relationship is further along than it actually is. Just because we post on social media about how, oh, she's the one I've always waited for. I came, I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been. This is amazing. And we goo and gush over it that it's actually going to be true. That that's actually going to make it happen. That's actually going to speak it into existence. And then it ends up being, and when you look at the reality, it looks a lot different than the picture because you can't microwave a marriage. You can't take it from here to here in a couple of days. It's over years of what? Ordinary. Ordinary commitment, ordinary trust, ordinary steadfastness, ordinary love and kindness. Extravagant things are great, but that's not what's going to build it, right? But that's what we want. We don't want to wait. I want a 20-year marriage when I get married. I want a 20-year career when I start work. I want a 20-year income right out of college. That's what I want. Why do I have to wait? I don't have any patience for it. We see it in our physical body, health, right? We want a quick fix. We want, we, want to, we want to be able to take a pill one time and be done. Heard a doctor talking and he said, yeah, I had a patient come in there. When they came in for their annual checkup, their cholesterol was high. So I had them come back three months later and we tested it again and it, it wasn't any change. And they said, huh, it's still high, huh? I thought it would be better. And I asked them, I said, well, what did you, have you done anything? Have you made any changes? And they said, no. I didn't make any changes. I just hoped it might be better. <laughs> you know, I didn't want it to be high. I was just wanting it not to be high. I thought that might help. Didn't make any, any changes. You're never going to master something without a large amount of ordinary, everyday commitment to it. You go try to do any sport. You, you may be able to go, you know, you may be able to throw the ball at the hoop. You may be able to swing a golf club a little bit, but you try to really do it and you're not going to have any success just going out one time. Even if you went out, let's use example. Even if you got to go out with the best golf coach ever in the world, ever in the history of the world, and you got to go be with him for one day. And you got one day of training, you got one day of lessons, you got one day of playing out there. You're not going to be that much better than you were the day before. You're really not. Because it's going to take day after day, putting it into place, taking things that are, 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 you're actually having to put focus on and effort into to make sure you do it the right way before it starts to become your habit to where you do it when you're not thinking about it. But we want it to happen quickly. We want it to happen quickly. We go to somebody who's lost a lot of weight and we say, hey, what, what did you do? And they go, I only ate about a thousand calories a day and I exercised for six months. And we go, that sounds terrible. I was hoping you were going to tell me something like you, you went on a juice cleanse and that just, it just all fell off. That was going to fix it. No, it's still only one way to do it. Every day in the ordinary. That's how it happens. But we have a weight loss problem and we have it in our Christian life too. We have it in our Christian life too. We don't want to subject ourselves to the everyday ordinary disciplines of the Christian faith and yet we want to be a mature saint. And it doesn't work that way. Young saints, just like young plants, need a lot of watering. They need a lot of watering because their roots aren't deep. 
They can't reach down. When you get to maturity, you're reaching way on down into the things of God and able to pull up even in drought, even in famine. I'm able to be sustained because I've been set in that maturity. But a young saint needs a lot of water, just like a little flower in a little pot's going to need every day putting water in there. Why? Because that soil is going to be dry again tomorrow. I found this quote as I was going, as I was studying this, uh, and it was, everyone wants to change the world, but nobody wants to do the dishes. Everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to help with the dishes, right? And that's what I'm talking about, being okay and understanding that the ordinary is going to be a part of your life. You can want to change the world. Hey, change the world by doing the dishes, Change the world by doing the little things first. Starting being faithful in the little things first, the ordinary things first. Amen. Don't despise the ordinary because that's what we do because it is ordinary and it can seem monotonous and it can seem boring until you realize that when you harness it, it's building on something. It's building on every day, day in and day out. It's building on something. So you understand it, you respect it, you embrace it, and then you harness it, you use it. The best doctor ever in the history of the world, number one doctor that there's ever been, you know what, they didn't start out that way. They got there by day after day, practicing medicine. Day after day, practicing medicine. Best athlete there's ever been, every day, practicing. Every day, practicing. You say, well, some of them had like natural abilities. Some, I mean, some doctors, I mean, they come here really smart. They come here able to process information at a level that I can't process information. And that's true. Some athletes come here with the ability to run faster and jump higher than you or I can just right off. But look, look, look. I was driving in our town a couple weeks ago, middle of the week, during the day. And I meet this man on a scooter. Not the zip zip scooter, but the push along with your foot scooter. And I recognize him. And this man had enough athletic talent that he should be playing in the NFL on Sundays. Played Division I college football and blew people off the field. Set records in high school that had stood for forever. Set one record the first time he had ever competed in an event, just that athletic. But couldn't stay disciplined in the everyday and in the ordinary. And so here he is. Again, middle of the week, middle of the day. Didn't look like he was riding a scooter to work, being honest. And so there was some disappointment in my heart because it's like, you could have made it all the way there. You could have made it to something extraordinary, but you couldn't. Com- and it's, not, it's probably not even his fault. He probably didn't have the support system. He probably didn't have people around him to jerk him up by, you know, the shirt collar when he started messing around to say, hey, keep it in line. Because something extraordinary is down the line for you. Hang in there in the ordinary. I know this is born. Hang in here in the everyday. But he had all the talent and didn't get there. Why? It's because he didn't respect the ordinary because nobody taught him to. And now when he could be, you know, traveling across the country, playing in the biggest sports league in the world, he's riding through Camden on a scooter. We have to respect the ordinary. The kindest person that you've ever known got there by practicing kindness over and over. The most loving person you've ever met got there by practicing love on a daily basis. The most forgiving person you've ever known practiced forgiveness over and over and over 
and over. In the ordinary. In the ordinary. And Paul exhibits this for us in Corinth. He leans into that ordinary. I'm going to move the town. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to work here. I'm going to live with folks in this community and I'm going to get to know you by being in the synagogue every weekend when you're there. He leaned into the ordinary because that's where God plants the extraordinary. That's where he plants the extraordinary is in the ordinary days. We have to respect it. We have to understand it. We have to harness it and use it. And see, then in verse five, it says, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, now where are they, they, these are Paul's friends, they've been going along with him in his missionary journey. They arrived from Macedonia. They've been in some of the places he just left doing what? Being consistent. Loving on the church. Continuing to encourage them. Continuing to make, every, make sure everything continues on, that the seeds that were planted continue to be watered until they develop roots. So they show up. And it says, Paul devoted himself to the preaching of the word. Or he was pressed in his spirit, one's translation says, about preaching the word. And he testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. He's, he, he's throwing everything that he has at it. He's given all he has to it. And why shouldn't he? If God is real and his word is true and Jesus came and he's the Messiah, why would you take that Lightly. It says he devotes himself to it completely. And I thought about this this week. He, he put his weight behind it. Went to a funeral this week. Uh, a friend of mine, his dad passed away. And so I went to the funeral. And for some reason, when I'm in this funeral, I think this memory comes to my mind of when we were in middle school. Because we went to school together growing up. And there was this other student that was causing me some issues. There was a conflict building. There was some friction going on. And it became clear that it may end in a fight. And most people, looking at the two of us, one in one corner, one in the other, most people wouldn't have put their money on old Stephen. Just wouldn't have. But, hey, this may, that, thankfully it didn't happen, so rest easy. This doesn't result in me getting the suit beat out of me. But he's trying to encourage me. And he says, look, when you, when you swing, put your, be sure that you're putting your weight behind it. Don't just, you know, if you're going to swing, put your weight behind it. And again, thankfully, I never had to use that advice in that, in that particular instance. But the Lord brought it to my mind in that funeral. It was like, if you're going to swing, put what you got behind it. If you're going to get into this life, don't just play. Don't. Because if I had gone into that physical confrontation and not wanted to be there, what's going to happen? Right? It's not going to go well. I'm going to get whipped. And if you run into this life just playing, it's going to whip you. If you run into this life just playing, it is going to eat your lunch. If you're going to swing, do like Paul did. Put everything into it. He, he, everything at that moment in his life was going into, I am going to preach Jesus to the Corinthians. That's what I'm going to do. He put his weight 
behind it. Everything that he had. If you're going to swing, swing. And yet, look at the result. Look at the result. He put everything he had behind it, testifying to them that Jesus is the Messiah. It says, when they resisted and blasphemed, not only did they not listen, they were saying ugly things about him and about Jesus. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and told them, your blood's on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. Even when we even when we engage, even when we go into that ordinary, even when we take it serious, even when we put all our weight behind it, we're still going to encounter failure. We're still going to encounter difficulty. It's the world's not going to go. Oh, you showed up and tried and did the right thing. Well, come on in here. Oh, yeah, it's going to be easy for you now. You, yeah, you should. You, you tried. Uh -uh. No, even Paul, even everything that he had into it. He still experienced difficulty and he still experienced failure. And so we should expect that when we're dealing with things in life. It's going to be part of it. If you're not expecting it, you're going to be disappointed. If you're expecting it, you can be mentally prepared for it. Look, what did he do? He said, y'all are going to resist me. You're going to blaspheme me. Well, guess what? He said he shook, his, shook it off his clothes. He said, I'm not going to wear your rejection. It's not going to be a part of my identity. I'm not going to allow that to define. I'm not going to walk around with it after I leave here. If y'all reject Jesus, that's on you. I can't receive it for you. All I can do is display it for you and proclaim it to you. The receiving is on your end. I'm not going to leave here weighed down by what you've said and what you've done. Amen. And so we're going to encounter failure. We just don't want to pick it up and carry it on our backs to the next day. We're going to run into difficulty. We just don't want to let it define who we are. We don't want to wear it because that's what he was saying to them. I can't hold on to this for you. All I can do is put it up in front of you. And so he encounters this difficulty. They blaspheme the Lord. And then what does he do? Does he quit? Nope. He doesn't quit. He turned to the next hearer. He turned to the next group. Scripture says right here, he just went next door. He left there and went to the house of a man named uh, Titus Justice, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. He's like, y'all not going to listen? I'm just going to start at the next one. <laughs> I'm going to go literally next door and continue preaching Jesus. His preaching wasn't perfect in its results. Perfection is not required. Perfection is not asked of you. It's not. Jesus has already been perfect. You don't have to be. All he wants you to do is persist in the right thing, in the right direction in the ordinary days to persist, not be perfect, but to persist. And because he did that again, he goes just next door and Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, along with his whole household. Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized through the ordinary, pushing through failure, extraordinary things happened. Whole households came to know Jesus Christ. Whole households were saved, redeemed out of their sin, out of their struggle, baptized into the body of believers and into the church. Amen. So he's pushing, he's committed to the ordinary. He's endured failure. He hadn't quit. He just turns to the next here. And he even sees success. He even sees extraordinary success. And even then, even in success, we can still feel overwhelmed. And I'm going to show you that's what Paul felt right here. Even in success, we can still feel overwhelmed. We can still feel like we're too small for a task that's too big. Paul was feeling that away. In one of the letters that he would write to, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3, he wrote to them and said, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 
I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Look what the Lord said to him in verse 9. So I'm sure he's dealing with these emotions because sometimes it, it hurts to lose. Sometimes it's even harder to win because then, you know, you got to get up the next day after that. I just we just did all that to, to win this. And now there's still another day. The ordinary continues on. Look what the Lord said to Paul. The Lord said to Paul in the night vision, do not be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent for I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. Even in success, we can feel overwhelmed. And the, the word of the Lord to him was, do not be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. Don't stop speaking because I'm with you. You won't be harmed. They won't be able to put their hands on you to harm you. Why? Because I have you here for a purpose. I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. The same God that saved him dramatically and miraculously on the Damascus Road is saying, I'm still here. I didn't check out. The God of yesterday's miracle, of last year's miracle, of, of 10 years ago salvation, he ain't gone anywhere. He hasn't gotten older, weaker, forgot about you. He is still here with you. Never left. You're not alone. That's what he's telling Paul. I never left you. I've been faithful to you. I was faithful then. I'm faithful now. I'll be faithful when we go to the next city. Don't stop speaking the name of Jesus. Amen. Don't stop speaking the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Keep pushing forward. Into tomorrow, into the next day, into the next month. Keep pushing on, even through the ordinary. Keep pushing. Why? He said, because we still got some stuff I want to get done. I've got some people in this city. I've got some people in this city that don't know yet they're going to be my people. I've got people in this city that they don't know yet are going to be called by my name who will put their faith in God who haven't yet. And I think we can take a lot of encouragement out of that today. I think we can take so much encouragement out of that to what God told Paul we can receive in ourselves. To, to don't be afraid. Keep pressing in. Keep speaking up. Keep speaking out in love to the people around you and declaring the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's got people in the city. Amen. I've heard way too many people's testimonies to stop talking about it, Amen. to stop talking about Jesus. To go, well, maybe, maybe this is all that's going to believe. Maybe this is all that's going to receive. Maybe this is just it. Everybody else is out there already heard. No, no, there may, there may be another, there may be another Kemper out there. Amen. There may be another Marty out there. Right. There may be another Sheila. There, there, there may be another Kelly out there. They're out there. The same God that brought you out of darkness wants to send you back out carrying light to all those that are still stuck in it. Right. There may be another Tim, maybe another Danny, maybe another Tyler and Hallie. We can go get them. We can go and get them. And it's not it's not going to be an extraordinary act that brings most of them in. It's going to be the ordinary day-to-day -day faithfulness of a saint living out life in front of them. And when love needs to be spoken, they speak love. When kindness needs to be given, they, they give kindness. When forgiveness needs to be exhibited, they, they walk in that every day in the ordinary and extraordinary things come out of it. Lives are changed out of it. 
because he's got people in the city and he's not sending you out there alone. And you can be somebody that just goes to work Monday through Friday and comes to church on Sunday and see extraordinary things happen. You can see it happen. They're out there. He's still got people in the city. And that's the mystery of what God does involving us in his purpose and in his plan. That he sends us out to do it. Have you seen the response that, that people get from that, that he gets when he sends angels out? People like fall down like they're scared to death of them. They want to worship them. I'm like, if you would just send out 20 of them, I feel like we could clear the place out. You know, but he didn't do that. Remember, we learned earlier when he wanted the gospel to go to Cornelius and to the Gentiles. He sent an angel to tell them, you need to go get Peter. I've got a man for this job. I've got a human being for this job. This is how I'm spreading the gospel. I could send them and overwhelm you, but that's not what I've chosen to do. I've chosen to involve you in it. Why? Because there's change for us in it. There's benefit and blessing for us in it too. It's the mystery of him involving us in his harvest to bring in souls for his glory. Extraordinary things that are brought about through ordinary, persistent means. And it says Paul stayed there for 18 months. 18 months. A year and a half preaching the word. In front of them, planting and watering, planting and watering, planting and watering into the hearts of unbelievers till they became believers and believers as they became the church and what would become the church at Corinth. And I've talked too long. I'm going I'm to come back to some of these things in my notes a later time. But he stayed there 18 months. Listen, the Christian life is marked by perseverance through suffering, because we endure some of that. We endure difficulty. We endure suffering. It's marked by working hard. Working hard and waiting patiently on the promises of God, who is faithful, to fulfill what he said he would do. Perseverance through suffering, working hard, and together putting our hope in the promises of God who is faithful to bring about what he said he would do. And never let the ordinary become disconnected from the extraordinary. Never let it. That's how you get from here to there. It's in the ordinary. It's in the everyday. It matters. Like Paul, show up. Put down roots somewhere. Build relationships day in and day out. Consistency. If we're going to do this, put, it, put, it, put your weight behind it. If you're going to swing, don't swing half-hearted. Life will whoop your butt. If you're going to go at it, put your weight behind it. Commit to it. And don't quit. It's like he told Paul. He said, why, why did he tell him not to quit? There was something in him wanting to quit. Right? There was, what was the one comedian said? There's a lot of quitting that boy. <laughs> a lot of quitting that boy. And we feel that because when things are difficult, we're just like, I just want to do this anymore. I just want to stop. I just want to quit. But what he's saying is never quit doing the right thing in the right way for the right reasons because it's going to bring about the best thing for you. Don't quit. Why? Because I'm with you. I haven't left you. I'm still here with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to forsake you in this. Don't quit. Continue to speak. Continue to love. Continue to be kind. Continue to reach out because he still has people in this city. Everybody in here 
is here today because somebody took the time. Somebody took the time. We are in large part who we are because somebody either took the time or because somebody didn't. And we're all here. We're all in Christ today because somebody took the time. We need to take the time because he has many in this city. One verse, I'm going to read it as we finish up. Like I said, I went longer than I meant to. I got excited. In, uh, in Habakkuk, chapter 2. I saw this yesterday. You posted one out of Habakkuk 2 this way. It's a different one. It's a different one. Calm down. <laughs> but it's right there in it. It's right there. There's not many chapters in Habakkuk. It's an Old Testament prophet. And I was like, what a, what a comfort. What an encouragement. Habakkuk 2 and verse 3. It says, for the vision awaits its appointed time. It will hasten to the end. It will not lie. So that's, the, that, that's what's coming from God. He's saying it, it will come about in the appointed time. It's going to hasten to the end. It doesn't lie. God doesn't lie when he makes a promise. The next thing it says, if it seems slow, if it seems slow, wait for it. If it seems slow, if what seems slow, the promise, the extraordinary, the answer, the, the other side of the mountain. If it seems slow, wait for it Amen. because it will surely come. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Saying what? We don't get to set the time, do we? No, we, don't. We, we don't get to say you're going to do this and you're going to do it here and now. He's saying, I made the promise. I'm going to fulfill it. If it seems slow, just wait. If it seems slow, just wait. What does that mean? Keep up with your ordinary. Keep pressing in. Don't quit. He's still with you. Keep pressing in. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you that you quicken it in our, in our ears and in our hearts. Lord, that you encourage today in a way that I can never do. You reach down into the deep parts of us and you build us up. Lord, I thank you for the ordinary. I thank you for how much power and influence we can have on a, on a lifetime by one day at a time. And Lord, that we would always respect it and never despise it. And you would teach us how to harness it. You'll teach us how to harness it just like we would physical exercise to build up muscles or stamina every day, day in and day out over a long period of time, that that's your goal and your help for us in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our spirit, in our relationship with you. Lord, that we will continue to reach out to our city because you have many in this city yet to come home. You've got many in this city yet to come home. And you're not telling us to go out and be perfect in front of them. You just want us to be persistent. You're not telling us to go out and be uber professional in front of them. You just want us to be present and to take your light into dark places. To take the gospel into broken places because it can make things new. Lord, renew our faith in how big you are, how big your plan is, and how we get to be involved in it in the everyday and in the ordinary. Forgive us for when we've despised it. Lord, teach us the better way. And when we see the promise, we see it afar off, we see the vision, we, we, we know you've put something in front of us. When it seems slow, help us to wait in patience 
to know that it will surely come. It will not delay because the one who promised is faithful. Father, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we do so in peace and unity with each other. Lord, and as we go, I thank you that you send us out into this week with our eyes up and open, our head on a swivel for where you would have us to engage. Lord, show us where our roots are supposed to be. Show us where we're supposed to put forth more effort, not just in our private time with you, but in the public, with other people. Who are you working on? Who would you involve us with in their life so that they can hear of your goodness and trust in you and no longer be afraid, no longer be dismayed, no longer be guilty or ashamed, but in you find life and life more abundantly. We love you and we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name.